G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Life, Culture and Current Events from a Biblical Perspective, 2020 on Vision. Right around Australia, every state and territory, you're on Vision Christian Radio. It's Neil with you, the Tuesday edition of 2020. And as we do on a Tuesday, good to catch up with Ron Ross and an update on what's happening in Israel and the Middle East. Hello, Ron. Welcome back to 2020. Thanks, Neil. Ron, let's start with Christians considering moments of prophetic signs in Israel's history. What's the story in the headlines? Well, it's been 50 years since the Six-Day War, 100 years since the Balfour Declaration, 100 years since the Australian Light Horse victory in Besheva, and 150 years since Mark Twain's first visit to Palestine. These are just a few of the big Israel-related anniversaries of 2017. To the Jewish state's most die-hard Christian supporters, the barrage of milestones is not mere coincidence, but rather prophecy being fulfilled. Every half-century, many Christian Zionists believe history makes a concerted push towards its end point, the return of the Messiah to Jerusalem. According to this pattern, something enormous should happen to Israel before the end of this year. And David Parsons, the vice president of the International Christian Embassy of Jerusalem, said, reading Israel's modern history, there seems to be something unusual in 50-year cycles. It means we should expect something incredible to happen this year to further propel Jerusalem and Israel into its prophetic destiny. Christian Zionists, most of whom are part of the world's 700 million strong evangelical community, view themselves as the Jews' partners in God's plan. Like many Orthodox Jews, they believe that after a world war, the Messiah will take the throne of a Jewish kingdom in Jerusalem and lead the world to peace and prosperity. As Christians, of course, they expect that Messiah to be Jesus, whereas Jews are still looking for their Redeemer. But Christian Zionists often say, let's bring the Messiah, and then maybe someone can ask whether this is his first or second visit. But there is a sense of anticipation, particularly among the Christian uh, community uh, in Israel. Well, there's only seven or eight weeks left in this year, Ron, so if something significant is going to happen, and, and I imagine what you're saying here is that there are people who are anticipating the second coming before the end of the year. Is that the, is that the well, main crux of it? that something uh, uh, leading towards that great day uh, will occur, and some of the suggestions are that Donald Trump may, out of the blue, move the embassy, uh, the American embassy to Jerusalem, uh, but some incident will occur which will indicate God's favour on Israel. A lot of people make a lot of predictions, and uh, interesting though they may be, uh, I'm always uh, a little bit sceptical sometimes of uh, of exact dates and predictions for such uh, significant events, but let's keep our eyes open and see what happens, Ron. The U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley has given a warning of further U.S. action if the United Nations Human Rights Council continues Israel bashing. What's the story there, Ron? 
Well, Nikki Haley uh, has said uh, that the, the, there is too much uh, Israel bashing. Um, it's half time, she said. Unfortunately, I'm not kidding, she went on to say. It seems the breakdown at the UN is to spend half the time on Israel and half the time on other member nations. While the UN is a hostile place for Israel, before she, uh, she became ambassador, she said she witnessed a shameful period. The United States had become part of that hostility. She was referring to the passing of a UN Resolution 2334, passed by the UN Security Council last December, which branded Israel as a violator of international law. The United States allowing this motion to pass by not vetoing it was a cowardly act, she said, and uh, the Trump administration would no longer operate in that way. And so she's uh, threatened uh, that uh, they will rep uh, withdraw from the Human Rights Council if this behaviour continues. Ron, you mentioned the Balfour Declaration when you talked about some of those prophetic signs, those historical events that people are reflecting on very seriously. Well, the Israeli Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu's in the UK for the centenary celebrations for the Balfour Declaration, but he's saying he won't forget how the UK backtracked on the Balfour Declaration. What's the story there? Yeah, he said that the, uh, the Brits had reneged on their decision to fulfil the Balfour Declaration, but added that it still provided the impetus for the world to acknowledge the Jewish people's right to the land of Israel. He made those remarks while on a visit, as you say, to the UK uh, for the centennial anniversary of the Declaration, which, which marks then-British Foreign Secretary Arthur Balfour's promise that his government would support a national home for the Jewish people in Palestine. I don't forget for a second that the British backtracked from that decision, but I am doubtful that without it we would have received international recognition. It's clear to me that without defence and settlements by the Jewish establishment, we wouldn't have received a nation, he said. He continued, there were two sides, on the one the old British Zionists like Winston Churchill and Lord Arthur James Balfour and Lord uh, Lloyd George, and on the other, the anti-Zionist element in the colonial office. Netanyahu also slammed the Palestinians for calling on Britain to apologise for the declaration, saying that according to them, even a national homeland for the Jews in the Balfour Declaration is a crime. The Prime Minister called on the Palestinians a hundred years after Balfour to finally accept the Jewish national home and finally accept the Jewish state. And as you reflect on that Balfour Declaration, Ron, and this past week we've remembered the charge on Beersheba, the liberation from 400 years rule of the Ottoman Empire. Uh, well, it was signed virtually the same day and it really connects the Australian uh, military influence there in World War One with what was to happen with the establishment of the Jewish state. That's what really brings it home to an Australian significance, doesn't it? Well, the, the story goes that uh, the news came into Parliament House in London uh, that the Australians had taken Beersheba, and that was a major influence on the, uh, the pro-vote for the Balfour Declaration. It is a very, very interesting time to remember, as you were saying, those prophetic and significant historical 
uh, incidents that have happened uh, on, on those uh, significant occasions. Well, it was interesting that Ariel Sharon said to me uh, that there would not have been a state of Israel without the uh, Australian victory in Besheba. <laughs> That's right. Ron, let's talk about a recent report that's revealed encouraging news of Christians in the Middle East have been under the biggest pressures with all of the unrest that's been happening. What is this encouraging news? Well, it's very interesting. Uh, uh, news of wars, persecution and suffering uh, has gone ad infinitum regarding Christians in the Middle East. Uh, but a report that's come out uh, in the last couple of days says that while more than 96% of Jordanians are Muslim, a total of some 145,000 Jordanians have described themselves as Christians. In addition, an estimated 10,000 Jordanian evangelical Christians reside outside of the kingdom, having moved to the USA, Europe and the Gulf. Between 10,000 and 15,000 evangelical Christians live in the Hashemite Kingdom of Jordan. More than 10,000 Palestinian evangelical Christians live outside of the Palestinian Authority. Some leaders say the number is as high as 30,000, though that's difficult to be precise. There are some 200 to 250 Muslim background believers who live in the West Bank and Gaza. However, very few of them attend church. 1,000 to 1,500 Palestinian evangelicals live in the Palestinian Authority. 4,000 to 5,000 Arab evangelical Christians openly worship Jesus in Israel. 25,000 to 30,000 born-again believers attend Messianic congregations in Israel. What is significant, it's not the precise numbers, but the trends that seem to be favouring a number increasing of Christians in the Middle East. Those trends are important. And while we're talking minorities, in Egypt, there's been a delegation of evangelical leaders that have met with the Egyptian president, el-Sisi. And that meeting has been called Prophetic and Historic Ron. Yeah, for the first time ever, a delegation of Christian evangelicals met with the Egyptian president, Abdel Fattah el-Sisi. Some believe the meeting represents a landmark in evangelical relations with the Arab world's largest country. Very interesting. The Arab world's in play right now. There are activities in Saudi Arabia that are mind-blowing. But an estimated 90% of Egyptians are Muslim. The meeting between President el-Sisi and the evangelical delegation exceeded those expectations. Rarely have I been in a meeting that was scheduled for an hour that went for three hours and the conversation was clear and authentic, Johnny Moore, founder of the Kairos Company, told CBN News. There was no hedging. It was like we were best friends for our entire life. It was an historic day. Best-selling author and Middle East expert Joel Rosenberg, who hosted the delegation, believes el-Sisi is the kind of leader the U.S. needs in the war against Islamic terror. I believe it is setting into motion an historic relationship between an Arab Muslim leader and the evangelical Christian movement, Rosenberg told CBN. I have to tell you, I'm a fiction writer, and if President el-Sisi didn't exist, you'd have to make him up. I mean, he's what we're looking for in an ally with the United States. People who want 
people who are telling us I want a strong strategic alliance with America, I'm fighting the same people you're fighting. During their meeting, El Sisi stressed the importance of fighting Islamic terrorism and protecting religious freedom. And those guys came away from that meeting super encouraged. Well, it is encouraging because while Christians continue to face persecution in Egypt, when you've got President al-Sisi trying to change the system, no doubt uh, there's going to be a bit of excitement with that evangelical leaders' delegation. Ron Ross... It's so interesting, Neil, that Egypt is very rich in biblical history. Of course. Pharaoh's daughter rescued Moses from the Nile. It's the land of Joseph, the Israelites, and the Exodus. It's where Jesus sought refuge as a child. Uh, it's got a great history from the Bible point of view. It, hopefully it will have one in the future. It truly is a significant Bible land. Ron Ross, always so good getting your insights into things that are happening as the news is breaking around the world. Really appreciate your update today here on 2020. Thank you, Neil. Before you go, thanks for listening. There's lots more great audio on demand, or you can listen to us live at visionradio.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener-supported. Your donation, large or small, will help us continue connecting faith to life for hundreds of thousands of people across Australia and around the world. Learn more or donate today at visionradio.org.au.